My name is Jamie Richardson. I work at White Castle selling hamburgers for a living and the occasional impossible slider at the epicenter of all cravings. Uh, hey, this is Slapcast. Slapcast. This is Shannon Lee, your host, and this is episode 16. If you're new, please like and subscribe. Also, you can find Relay on all of the socials at, at Relay Leadership. Follow us there for updates, news, and world reports. Okay, that might have been a little bit of an exaggeration. I don't do any world reports, but we do send you lots of great updates on our programs, uh, community events, our events, uh, Slapcast updates, all kinds of good stuff on our socials. Um, We also like to share some leadership resources and even discounts to some of our programs that are only available if you're following us on the social media platform. So be sure to do that. Also, just a reminder, I love hearing from you about what topics you'd like us to cover, any ideas you have. If you'd like us to interview someone, let me know. Shoot me a quick email at slapcast at relayleadership.org. Now, we have our second of two annual events coming up on October 17th. It's called Impact Columbus. This actually used to be called the Annual Leadership Prayer Breakfast. And we began to make a shift in this event because there's a big movement going on in the Central Ohio community where the community is really moving I don't want to say away from cause-based solutions, but they're looking at causes and the solutions to those causes in a much bigger context. And so the community is starting to think of these things as community-wide solutions rather than siloing their solutions into just individual causes. And so we started thinking about this event a few years ago and, and really reimagining it. And one of the ways we decided to, one of the directions we decided to take this event was really focusing more on the local community. We had no idea that some of the community leaders were headed this direction as well. So it's been a great kind of a serendipity, if you will. And so that's why we call it Impact Columbus, because we're focused on individuals and organizations who are doing the uncommonly great for the common good right here in Columbus on what we call the platform of service leadership. We know not everyone calls it servant leadership, but it's really folks who are focused on the bigger common good for as many people as possible. Impact Columbus, October 17th. Now, if you're intrigued at all and you want to learn more about details, attending, what have you, go to impactcolumbus.com. And if you have any questions about it that you're unsure about, once you read about it, just shoot me an email at info at relayleadership.org. Today on the Slapcast, we have the vice president of a fast food titan, White Castle. White Castle, for those of you who don't know, is headquartered right here in Columbus, Ohio. Now, I've told so many people about what I experienced when I met our guest today. His name is Jamie Richardson, because my meeting with him was so unforgettable and quite epic. And I'm going to share it in just a moment when he joins me on this interview. But what I'm struck by is how many people have a White Castle story, and I'm no different. And I'll share a little bit about that as well. So without further ado, let's get rolling. (laughs) 
Jamie Richardson, I am so excited to have you here today on the Slapcast and to share you with the audience. Now, before we get started, um, I love how you cravified your intro. We talked a little bit about that. And I want to share with the audience really quick how we met and kind of how we got connected. It's related to your Gravified intro, by the way. <laughs> so we're conducting an event coming up here in October called Impact Columbus. And I was talking to a mutual friend of ours, Tanya Arion. She's awesome. She's amazing. She used to be on our board, as you know. Mm-hmm. And I went to her and I said, you know, I'm looking for a chair for this event that is this criteria. And I said, they need to embody servant leadership, you know, just a really small list. They need to embody servant (laughs) leadership, even if they don't call it servant leadership. I need them to be the kind of person that when people hear about them in the community, they're like, oh, that's a great guy or that's a great gal, you know, that just they have this amazing reputation in the community for being kind and open and just a great personality. And it'd be awesome if they're really good in front of people too. (laughs) And she was like, oh, well, man, that's a tall order, you know? And then I asked the same question to a few other people, um, that, that we also have in common and your name kept coming up. And so I went to Tanya and said, can you make an introduction? Someone told me (laughs) that you might know Jamie. And so, um, the rest is history, but the day I showed up for our (laughs) meeting to meet you face to face, I go over to the White Castle headquarters there on Goodale, correct? 555 West Goodale Street. Five, Come five, on five. by. The cafeteria is open. FYI. <laughs> you walk in, it smells like White Castle when you it walk does. in. It yeah. does. Yeah. Onion scented. That's right. And um, I'm waiting in the reception area and the door to the offices starts to creep open <laughs> and there's Jamie peeking out, looking at me. Not hello, hi, how are you doing? He walks out, puts his hand out, and he says, welcome to the epicenter of all cravings. I'm Jamie Richardson. And that was literally the most epic introduction I've ever had for a first-time meeting. So thank you for that. I will never forget that. It was wonderful. Well, hey, we're uh, we're glad you came by the castle that day. I'm glad we're here today. So, uh, you know, when you get to sell hamburgers for a living, you get to have a little bit of fun. Can't take ourselves too seriously, after all. No, and I actually need a reminder to do that every once in a while, so I appreciated it. Um, the first thing we did, though, before we started talking, was you showed me the Cravers Hall of Fame. Tell That's us a little right. bit about that, and please include a couple of the famous members of the hall of fame, because I think that part's really interesting. It would be really interesting to Jason who here is in the room as well, being a rock and roll fan. So that's all I'm going to say. I'll let you. That's tell a good teaser. That's a, that's a really good teaser. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the Cravers Hall of Fame to us is an embodiment of really our, our vision. You know, a lot of companies have visions and that's great, but they're often like eight or nine paragraphs long and they, they get put in a manila folder and, and maybe reference uh, five years later when they need to update it. But for, our, for White Castle, our vision is to feed the souls of Craver Generations everywhere. And to me, the the Cravers Hall of Fame really brings that to life. So back in 2001, if you can imagine that far back, we invited people to send us their stories and we thought, oh, let's just put it on the hamburger sack and said, oh, you could be in the Hall of Fame. And we were hoping, we thought, boy, if we get, what if we don't get enough to judge was one concern. And we thought, <laughs> what if we get 100 or 200, that would be great. The first year we received 1,866 nominations and people didn't just fill out a little paragraph on, on the paper 
sack that we had given them. They sent in videotapes from their wedding receptions. We didn't know we were in the catering business. So uh, it's just been amazing. So over the years, um, each year we pick the top 10 or so stories, and we invite those individuals into Columbus, Ohio for the induction ceremony. And it's amazing. They come in as strangers. They leave as absolutely incredible friends. From all over the country. All over the country, yeah. And it's amazing. And the the first year we had an induction ceremony, our our chairman of the board, who was CEO at the time, Bill Ingram, our our third uh, generation family leader, uh, did this great speech. And he said, do you realize more people have Super Bowl rings? Do you realize that more people have won Nobel Prizes than there are in the the Cravers Hall of Fame? You've been made fun of and taunted your entire (laughs) lives for your love of our sandwiches, but in our hearts and hallways, your names will always be sacred. And that's when (laughs) Michelle Purcell, inductee from Illinois, Chicago, started to cry. And she slowly raised her pant leg to reveal a White Castle ankle tattoo. Shut up. True story. You didn't tell me that that day. Well, you know, got to save something for the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, a tattoo's commitment. That's yeah, commitment. yeah, and you know, along the way, we've been so fortunate because we do have friends uh, who are more uh, well known, who also uh, often share their love of White Castle. And so, there's one member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame who's also in the White Castle Cravers Hall of Fame, two halls of fame right in Ohio, and that is Mr. Alice Cooper. And uh, yeah, the Crave Man. Yeah, he is, he's awesome. We got to interview him. We did it instead of inside the actor's studio. Apologies to James Lipton. We did our version of that inside the Craver studio. And uh, Alice was awesome. And uh, he's a good friend. Good good guy. Didn't he help you all break ground or dedicate a, a new a new uh, restaurant somewhere, right? Yeah, in Scottsdale, Arizona. That's we right. are opening a new restaurant. And uh, he happens to be a resident in the area. And he came by uh, with a White Castle spatula shovel. And uh, he is part of the groundbreaking ceremony there. So. That's so cool. Yeah. I, I remember in your office, there's a picture of him in his rock and roll garb and makeup, I think. All regalia. And he's uh, like surrounded by White Castle hamburgers. Like yeah, it's, on, it's a, like throne throne, like a throne yeah. of burgers. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. He, he did a post on Facebook about that. I said, White Castle made me a throne of burgers, <laughs> so I ate it. <laughs> and we're going to have an Alice Cooper corner in the uh, corner booth in the new restaurant. He wants to call it the dungeon. We're not there yet, but yeah, you know, you yeah. never know. You're like, we're still trying to be family friendly over yeah, here. Yeah. yeah. You know, but it, it's all cool. He's, he's a great guy. <laughs> so you all, you're right. 555 Goodale. Will your address change soon? Will you get to keep that number? We're, we get to keep the number. So we're building a new home office. Mm-hmm. We're on 18 acres and we've been on that property, if you can imagine this, since 1934. I think we might have paid for it like in 59 or so. What, like but, 10 bucks or something? Yeah, you know, <laughs> the, life was simpler then. Yeah. But um, we've decided that we've got 10,000 team members, uh, 9,800 who don't work in, in the home office. But by developing that property, we're going to have five apartment buildings. We're going to have a second uh, office building and the rent that we receive from those properties will help us pay for health insurance for team members as far as the eye can see, will help us pay for retirement benefits in years to come. So it's really a big investment in developing that downtown area. And along the way, we'll have a new home office that we're in too. The address will change ever so slightly uh, with a tip of the hat to our founder and his son and his grandson. It's going to be 555 Edgar Waldo Way. And so all three of our first CEOs were named Edgar Waldo Ingram. Oh, that's amazing. And I love the innovation around what you're doing with the, with the uh, revenue from the apartment. That's so interesting. Yeah, I love that. It's just a thought that. that, you know, if we can be healthier for the long haul and know that that, that long-term revenue is there, that helps us plan better for the future. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. 
So as you know, Relay is all about uh, professional leadership development. So I always like to ask our guests just to tell us a little bit about your leadership journey. It's uh, the fastest way to say that is, how'd you get here? (laughs) You know, tell us, kind of give us the high points um, and uh, maybe a little story along the way. Sure. I've been incredibly fortunate to get to work with so many great people. And to me, the, the, um, the nourishment I've received from different leaders along the way has really given me the opportunity to learn and grow. Uh, so I started uh, in advertising. So I was at J. Walter Thompson for 11 years and uh, loved it uh, and just had uh, an incredible time. Got to learn a lot about corporate culture because you get to work with different clients and understand what kind of clicks and fits uh, from your world view and what might not. And so uh, along the way, I worked with incredibly gifted people who taught me a lot, learned a lot, and uh, and some good fun adventures too, you know, just uh, things that you, you don't expect. Uh, I'll never forget the time I was sent to uh, deliver the new business uh, packages to uh, a prospective client. And they were in Racine, Wisconsin. So I had to uh, fly into Chicago uh, and, or actually I flew into Milwaukee. There was one small problem. The letter from our leader to their leader, I was reading, they said you could read it on the plane. I thought, wow, that's a cool idea. So I was reading <laughs> it and it said, um, as we go forth together, I thought, this is how the big guys do it, you know, uh, <laughs> as we strive for excellence in this new and changing environment, we look forward to this new beguining. Thought, oh, no. that's a typo. <laughs> and this is in the days before word processors, friends. Right. So I landed in Milwaukee. We had an office in Chicago. So I drove to Chicago uh, <laughs> and uh, convinced the security guard. I think the Andy Jackson helped um, <laughs> to uh, let me into the offices so I could retype the letter and then got it there typo free. So uh, just wow. fun things along the way. But I've been at White Castle now for 21 years. It's hard to believe. But, uh, and, and that journey's wow. been amazing and fun. So what makes you so passionate about the White Castle brand? I think... Because uh, you're the, just a little excited about it. Well, I do get a little wound <laughs> up now and then, you know. Uh, Your hamburger <clears throat> pen tells it all. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's a 24-hour business. That's my uh, source of inspiration. Uh-huh. Keeps me going. Yeah, if I take it off, I just mm, yeah. kind of shut down, you know. It's like, oh, put another battery in. Uh, but uh, I think for me, the thing I love about White Castle is that we get to be a part of people's lives in ways that are really significant and that we provide physical nourishment through the food that we sell. But more importantly, we really do feed the soul. Um, you see it in the Hall of Fame, but you also see it anytime you visit one of our restaurants, anytime you meet one of our customers who lives in a city where we don't have restaurants and they love going to the grocery store and they have a six pack of sliders in their freezer that they can pop in the microwave whenever they're hungry. So for me, it's been the fact that we're not just about trying to be all things to all people, but that we have a center and that we have a focus on really yeah. um, making lives lives better. You see it in our team members. Um, we have 10,000 team members. More than one in four have been at White Castle 10 years or more. So when I need nourishment, all I need to do is, um, you know, uh, hop into the drive-thru or, or pop into a, a castle or talk to our retail team um, that's out on the road selling sliders to, to the grocery channel. And it's really, really um, rejuvenating and good. So it, it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. I, I shared with you that day when I saw the, the Cravers Hall of Fame and my story is not a personal one, but it's about my cousin who was born in Ohio, uh, raised in Ohio, but eventually moved to California. And that was before California had a White Castle. And he's was, he's passed away since, but was a huge White Castle fan. And my aunt, his mom, would buy a case, freeze it, ship it to him in California. Right. And she would do this every month so that he could have 
a regular supply of White <laughs> right. Castle hamburger. Right. I mean, this was, they were committed to this, you know, and I, I never understood it as a kid, you know, because I didn't know anything about it. Someone recently shared a story with me when I told them about your involvement with the, with the event that their father didn't know anything about White Castle. And at the time, and I don't know if- He led a sheltered life. He, he did, a very <laughs> sheltered life. And he went through the, the drive-thru and said, I want one hamburger. <laughs> and the lady was like, wait, you just want one? Because <laughs> people order more than one, right? Because they're tiny. And so she was like, okay. And he goes up to the checkout. She goes, that'll be one quarter. This was many years ago. <laughs> right. And right. he was like, he was so confused. And then he looked in the bag and saw, <laughs> and so he got more, but, um, it it's was a good just sampler. It's a good starter. He'd never heard of white castle. And so he didn't understand like, why is she asking me if I only want one? And why is this only a quarter until he, he got the bag? Yeah. So. yeah. To savor <laughs> so, the flavor from the beginning. That's exactly. Good. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what advice can you give? You're kind of like a big picture, well, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I see you as like this idealist, this big picture kind of guy. Um, I, I see that in lots of other people and that this can potentially be what keeps you excited and spurs you on, right? Mm -hmm. What advice can you give other people like that who feel pressure to be data-driven? Because so much of our current society and um, sometimes the negative side of, um, and I'm not anti-capitalism, but sometimes the drive to perform and to mm -hmm. hit more, better numbers than last year, um, what's your advice to people that are like you, but mm -hmm. also have to get that, we, we're, we're just driven to these goals and data. How do we not lose sight of that passion and that vision and, and yeah. you know, that dreaming side of us? That's a great question. I think to me, a lot of it depends on what kind of, um, timeline are you on? What, what kind of view are you able to have mm -hmm. in terms of, hey, does this have to happen overnight? Uh, and it's not to say that results don't matter. They absolutely do. I think um, one of the things I love most about White Castle is we're a family-owned business after all these years. So 98 years into it being family-owned, mm -hmm. we think gives us permission to certainly, you know, understand if something works or doesn't. I mean, you know, if it's measurable, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. But don't get so caught up in something having to work that you lose sight of the bigger goal. And I think for me, the source of nourishment around that has been to uh, understand you need both. You need head and heart. But when you're able to look at it through the lens of, hey, what, what story do the numbers tell? What does this really reveal about human behavior? What's this telling us about if we're making, meeting the mark or not? Are we connecting with our team members in a way that matters? Are we connecting with our customers in ways that matter? I think part of what can be tough about business in some cultures and some environments, they treat people like they're cogs in the machine. Mm. And I think to me, the heart of it all has to come back to, are you being nourishing to those around you? Are you giving them the opportunity to grow, to become their best self? And do you really genuinely care about what they're encountering each day? And can you create an environment that's positive and fun? You know, it doesn't mean you don't measure. We look at our sales numbers pretty close and yeah. <laughs> we make sure that we're making money so we can reinvest it in the business and grow. So to me, it's less about the data and more about the, the attitude and what's at the center. And, and at the end of the day, where's this all taking us, you know? So if we have a vision and some long-term objectives, that's the journey. Otherwise, it's just like, well, you could be on any bus going anywhere, uh, any time of day, you know? So um, that, that to me makes it fun. Well, along those same lines, I, I love that you repetitively use this term nourish. We nourish the soul. Um, you've even referred to it in terms of nourishing your people. Mm -hmm. What are some ways that that you really love, you personally love nourishing the souls of the people that work for White Castle. Mm -hmm. How do you serve the people that work for you? You know, um, 
personally, um, there is a, a notion, um, uh, our family's Catholic, and there's a papal encyclical that goes back from the 1880s called Rerum Navarum. It's the dignity of work. And, and it really says that, you know, the title doesn't matter at all, but it's about meeting each person where they are and treating each person like the individual they are to connect with who they are uh, as a whole person. And that when you're able to do that, allows that connection to be, it's not about hierarchy at that point. It's about shared time. It's about shared resources and being able to spend that time together. So for me, the most important thing I think that I can do to be nourishing is to listen and to genuinely care. And by listening, maybe remember a thing or two. So the next time I have the opportunity to meet that person, I can ask, hey, how's it going with this part of your life or that part of your life? And sometimes it might be work-related. Sometimes it might not be. But I think there's something that we all get out of that. And that if we can really go into things with this notion, one of our values at White Castle is what we call humble family. And it, it really means just treating everyone with a dignity that they deserve and meeting them where they are and not coming into it with some kind of like, well, I sit in this office, so I'm more important than you are. No, we're all equally important and we're all equal in dignity. We might have different gifts, different abilities, different callings, different jobs. We're all equal in dignity. Yeah. How do you challenge each other around that? Because I think that for some individuals, maybe even organizations, it would be so easy to drift um, maybe with the wrong associate in the position or just getting caught up and getting our focus on the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. It can happen anywhere. And mm-hmm. and I'm wondering too, if it is easier, the bigger an organization gets maybe. Mm-hmm. So I guess the question is really, how do you hold each other accountable to mm-hmm. showing up that way? Mm-hmm. I, I too have heard of, um, that, that like there's dignity with every, mm-hmm. really with every life, every human life. And it's interesting. Cause I was at a, I was at a, um, an event that was put on mm-hmm. uh, by Catholics and they were talking about that concept mm-hmm. and it was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I love how you are applying that as a business practice. I think it's, it's highly effective. It makes so much sense and it works. How do you stay accountable to that with each other, whether that's your leadership team or whoever to make sure, because when you have 10,000 people, right. you know, there have to be challenges around really infiltrating that all the way into every level to ensure that that is protected? Yeah, that's a great question. I think a big part of that is being explicit about what it is you believe in, because you could have 42 different ways of expressing it. But, you know, so we have our vision, which I mentioned, then our mission is to create memorable moments every day. But then we also have values that we we really, and, you know, it's just a handful, but it's about um, being hungry in terms of hungry for growth. It's about being accountable, um, but it's also about humble family being healthy and energetic, being responsive and customer focused. And we actually talk about that a lot. So when we have a quarterly meeting, um, we'll recognize people in our home office who've exhibited that. You know, Vanessa Hayslip, who when she found out the freestyle machine that serves Coca-Cola in Indianapolis was out of Diet Coke, she didn't wait for the shipment to come from somewhere in California. She picked up some some of the containers that she needed to get uh, in Columbus and drove them there. Wow. So that castle could serve some Coca-Cola that evening because the castle never closes, baby. We're 24 <laughs> seven. And Vanessa was there on the job. She's, you know, got a big job in purchasing. She's not the truck delivery route person, but, uh, you know, talk about customer focused and accountable and responsive, you know? And so we share those examples, but recently um, what we did is that's now part of every person's performance appraisal. So 50% of their appraisal is based on the values 
and how well they're living the values. And then they're going to have specifics around the job they do and how they're doing there. But everybody knows that going in. This isn't just something we talk about and it feels good. We really want to find people who who feel good about that and, and want to grow in those areas. Does that mean you put metrics around the values too? Yeah, we do. To define what do we mean by this? Yeah, yeah. yeah we, we give examples. We talk about it a lot. And everyone's going to have their own interpretation in some way. But we figure the more examples we give and the more we shape that and share yeah. it. Um, but, you know, if we if we somehow don't, then shame on us because then it's fake. Yeah. You know, but to be authentic, you really need to live it. And that means that you also acknowledge when you don't, when you, when you stumble. And it's like, uh, you know what? Because sometimes those things can be... Uh, uh, not opposed, but there can be, you know, tension, a healthy tension between, well, it said accountable, but it also said humble family. And, you know, how do you run the business? If it's humble family, you never let anybody go. But yeah, if you're being accountable, sometimes you have to look at something and say, gosh, this fit isn't what we thought it would be, Yeah, you know, and that's not easy, but you have to be able to do both. Exactly. I, one time I was talking to um, a couple leaders of an organization and they were struggling with... It wasn't McDonald's, was it? It was not. They're nice people, I'm sure. It was not. Sorry, and, this and, is, and, it makes me twitchy. When, I mean, I understand you can't reveal all, you know, but I just wanted to make sure so now I can listen. I'll be respectful. It, it rhymes with Schmickmonalds. Okay. No, it wasn't yeah. them. Hmm. Um, I'd love to have an account with um, with McDonald's, but I was I was working with an organization, wonderful organization, but they were really struggling with um, getting the values deeper into the organization to all levels. And it was interesting because I asked a question. I said, what are the metrics that go with your values and how are they measured? And they just looked at me like they didn't understand what I asked. They thought it was enough to have them on the walls and on pretty signs. And, and I think, oh, that's great. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. I, in fact, I just went through the new Ohio Health Building and they took all of their core values and did all kinds of cool great stuff. Great company. They live them though, and it's yep. really it's integrated into everything that they do. So when it's on the walls, it becomes a reminder of what we already do. Yeah. Whereas the approach this company was taking was let's get it on the wall so people will start living it, and it doesn't yeah. work that way. And so, um, like this is not an art project. This is this is a serious thing that we're actually going to measure. It's something we actually started doing in our organization as well. My for you. my board part of my evaluation every year is how well I'm living out our four yeah. core values. That's so. Great. I really appreciate being held accountable to that. And so mm-hmm. that's why I was curious yeah. how you guys do that. The other that. thing we do, in addition to the performance appraisals, is we do what we call a loyalty survey. And it goes to all 10,000 team members every year now. And uh, we get 90% of our team members who who participate in that. So we're just thrilled that we get such a high participation rate. Yeah, it is. And it gives us really, really great insight in terms of what's in people's minds. But we ask questions related to the values and how well are we doing so we can measure progress. So, so you know, if you want to be authentic, that means you have to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And and that vulnerability is sometimes we might get an answer that isn't, oh, we didn't do three backflips after we saw that one. <laughs> but that actually is a source of joy too, because it helps us get better. Yeah. Feedback is a gift. Absolutely. Who said that? Uh, I did just now. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure someone else said it before me. It might be Kim Blanchard. I, I, yeah. It yeah, might be Kim Blanchard. Yeah. Either Kim Blanchard or Maxwell. Like, yeah, you know, they're, they're, they're smart folks. They've it's got a pretty, lot of stuff out there. Yeah. So if you steal from me, you steal twice. <laughs> So, okay, 
I was going to segue into something else. Well, okay, let's just go there. <laughs> I know you're really involved in the community. Are you still involved with Kiwanis? I, I love our Kiwanis Club. Yeah, I'm a past president, though. Okay, so, you know, okay. Yeah, so, and they, they do wonderful things in community. And uh, I'm just immediate past chair of the YMCA uh, of Central Ohio. And that's another group that's really engaged in community and gives a lot back. And I also serve on the National Board for Autism Speaks. Um, so, yeah, I think just being engaged and involved in community is really important. And I really believe this. And I know we hear about the Columbus Way, and I really, I've seen it firsthand. Uh, you know, so many other communities are good people, but hyper competitive. And in central Ohio, I really believe we're hyper collaborative. I do too. People find a way to work together, and, and people tend to stay where they're at. And I think that's a testament to cultural fit that a lot of our leaders have been part of their organizations and their companies for many years. So as a result, there's great networks where people really do uh, risk vulnerability and talk about uh, what what can happen. Um, what Chad Jester at Nationwide um, Foundation is doing around the opioid crisis. He's created this Opioid yeah. Education Alliance. And really, Nationwide's been a driving force behind that. But now they've got over 75 different companies that are engaged in this cause to get greater education to kids as a preventive step, you know, to never take that first step to, to towards addiction. So mm-hmm. I, I just think that's one example that comes immediately to mind. But it's cool to see. Well... That's a perfect segue into something else I wanted to talk to you about. Um, you're involved in an event we have coming up in October. It's called Impact Columbus. Impact Columbus um, has kind of taken a shift, and it's been to align with the, the future of Columbus and how um, I, I was talking to some folks at the Columbus Foundation recently, and we were talking about this idea of moving from being a cause centric community to as far as solutions go, where we'd have siloed solutions for community problems to looking at it as a community solution. And um, like a term that they're throwing around is this idea called placemaking. Mm -hmm. And it's this idea that we improve community pride and collaboration so that our solutions are not siloed anymore, but they are um, something that addresses the issue from a broad perspective so that it benefits everybody involved in a way that's relevant to everyone involved. So, so prosperity, let's just take that term Mm -hmm. is different for someone who's homeless. Mm -hmm. What's the next step of prosperity for someone who's homeless versus someone who has a job that doesn't quite pay their bills yet. Mm -hmm. And they're on subsidized housing or whatever. Both of them have needs of increased prosperity, but it looks a little bit different. Mm -hmm. So all the way from there, all the way to people who are literally very prosperous, what are they doing with those resources? And Mm so both from a personal and a community standpoint, or I'm sorry, corporate standpoint. And so I find this conversation around Mm placemaking and community-wide solutions really fascinating. And as a result of that, we were inspired to take this event and refocus it on Columbus, which mm-hmm. is why we're calling it Impact Columbus and why we're focusing the conversation around leveraging the wonderful economic development that's happened in our community over the last, I guess, arguably a couple decades now. Mm-hmm. How do we leverage that for the benefit of everyone? And so with that in mind, I'm really curious, You know, when we first spoke and I told you about this event, what was it that really made you say, yeah, I want to put some strength behind this event because really White Castle Human Service Chamber, who is uh, mm-hmm. co-chairing this, Mike Corey, and now uh, Sandra Doyle Ahern is the is the mm-hmm. keynote. We're all coming around this, and this is our 
our big pivot year because we made this, we started to announce this change last year and now this is the year that we're making the change. So what was it that inspired you? And this isn't to, uh, to toot our horn. That's not what this is about. I'm curious about mm-hmm. what inspires you in general around that kind of community conversation and how you feel potentially, hopefully, <laughs> that this event can help support that effort. Well, I think uh, your timing is perfect because I, I think this idea of more opportunity for more people is something that's next for Columbus. And I think um, being able to have focus, as you've just described, concentrates those resources and it creates enthusiasm for the change we really can make. So I think it takes it from this land of hypothetical and feel good to an authentic expression of, hey, let's let's bring it together. And And that collaboration only happens when there's shared experience. And so by creating an awesome shared experience, that's going to be a foundation for good that um, continues to happen as far as the eye can see. So to me, that was what's very exciting and fun. And I feel very humbled and honored to be asked to be part of it all because I just see, uh, you know, if you spoke to the Columbus Foundation, Doug Kreidler's talking a lot these days about human flourishing. And it is a different definition of just, hey, it's not just about those um, demographic attributes of um, age, education, and income. It's about quality of life. It's about how do we make that opportunity really tangibly available? And and where are the barriers? And what do we need to do to break the barriers down? So it's not about some you know uh, forced um, reallocation of resources as much as it is right. opening our hearts and minds to understand what we can do to provide better pathways to prosperity, to your point. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. I'm, I'm excited about the event. I'm excited that you're going to be you are involved in it. You're a part of the planning all the way leading up to it. And so I, I thank you for being involved. We're excited. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, so when you think about like kind of looking back on your leadership journey, what's the most challenging leadership uh, decision or choice or situation, um, or at least what's one you can share? Um, and how did you navigate your way through that without violating any of your your own leadership values? Uh, That's a great question. I I think anytime you have to make a decision that affects people's lives, it's when you spend the most time because it's not just about um, those other things around, should it be this message or that message or, you know, um, so we make decisions all the time. The decisions that affect people um, and especially, let's say there's a situation where um, you have a person who's a great person, but they're just not the right person for the role, the right person for, for the culture and the organization you're in. And, and those conversations are hard. So I think for me, um, that hasn't happened frequently, but the times that it has happened have been the most gut-wrenching, just in terms of making sure uh, to be true to the values and and at the same time be true to the larger organizational um, impact because there are 10,000 people who are, are affected if as leaders, we don't make the right decisions for, for our, our enterprises, then you can really have a negative effect for a long, long time on, on others. So I think, um, you know, it, it's one of those where in that end, I mean, I can remember the first time I had to let somebody know that they were no longer, you know, a good fit for, for our team. And that was really, really hard. But I think to me, it's just about stay, staying true to what you know. You ha- treat someone like the way you'd want to be treated yeah. yourself. Be honest, be open, make sure along the way, no one should ever be surprised, you know, that, you know, there should be a pathway that says, hey, this is what we're going to work on. 
this is where we hope to be. If it doesn't work out, this might, you know, so that they're not trying to guess yeah. because there's nothing that, that just like uh, eats you up more than that anxiety about where do I stand? What's going on? You know, so. The way I say it is if they didn't hear that train coming, I failed. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. No one should ever be surprised. Yeah. 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 Well, I want to switch gears really quickly sure. here. Um, and I'm just curious, you're, from the moment I met you and every interaction that we've had, you are a fun person. You're enjoyable to be around. You are an utter 100% delight to, to have met <laughs> and you. to know. Thank you. There's a lot of pressure so in that, you know. There is. So here's where you got it. up a little straighter. <clears throat> yeah. So um, what do you do to have fun and to keep that kind of vibrancy in your life? Like what, what is it that really gives you life outside of being <laughs> this, this craver, um, you know, ambassador? <laughs> well, you know, I, I think you have to find your sources of joy. And um, I have an incredible wife, uh, Kate, and then we have five children. And so uh, for me, just being able to spend time with them anytime is a blessing and a source of great joy. Um, I'm a spiritual person. So to me, being able to get to mass is, is real important. Um, we do have prayer time, not as often as we'd like at home where we, you know, gather together and, and sit as a family and pray. And um, that's something that's a source of nourishment. And I think in general, um, just being able to be curious about uh, things and to see good all around you and, and, uh, not to lose a sense of humor that yeah. there's so much absurdity around. You just got to laugh, you know? Well, uh, speaking of a sense of humor, I always like to throw in, uh, not always, but sometimes I thought you'd be a fun person to throw this at. Uh -oh. <laughs> um, I actually looked up strange mascots Okay. and Scottsdale community college. I know a very huge, well-known, um, Higher education. I'm not making fun of them. No, I'm no. just saying, you know, um, their mascot is the artichoke. Sure. And then we have uh, the University of Arkansas Monticello. Their mascot is the bull weevil. Ooh. So if you had to choose between an artichoke and a bull weevil to be a school mascot, which would you choose and why? That, that's a that's a very interesting question. I'm channeling my inner Jenny, Jimmy Stewart from It's a Wonderful Life. Um, actually, I'm starting to kind of come up with an answer. Um, you know, I, I think to me, I would have to go with the artichoke because much like the White Castle hamburger sandwich, uh, artichoke lovers love artichokes dearly. Not everybody loves the artichoke. You're right. You know, it can be polarizing, uh, you know, and, and beyond that, that's the philosophical reason. Um, practically speaking, I have driven past recently Scottsdale Community College because it's 2.3. Are you serious? It is 2.3 miles away from where a new White Castle restaurant's <laughs> opening later this fall. And so practically speaking, folks, we, hope we did not plan this. Artichoke friends, come on by the castle. We might have an artichoke slider. By the way, you. do you know who in town serves an amazing artichoke appetizer? No, but I'd love to. Third in Hollywood in Grandview. Good to know. I'm headed yes. there tonight. You are? No, oh. but now I am. <laughs> We're going there Friday <laughs> I wasn't night, before, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. God, it, God bless the artichoke. It, and the bull weevil, I mean, no offense to the uh, Arkansas yeah. Monticello, bull weevils are destructive. We, and and I a had a tough, tough music teacher in third grade. Won't say her name. Mrs. Pratt, I think. Uh, oops, that just slipped out. But we had this sing this song. Uh, the bull weevil is a little bug from Mexico, they say. Come to try the Texas soil and thought he better stay. But then, like, the whole crops get ruined. It's not good. So and what I, did artichoke ever do to hurt anybody? Artichokes are pretty friendly. You mix it up with some cream cheese and some spinach, and you've yeah. got some amazing Unless dip. you have an allergy. Well, but that's that, true. You know, balance, that's true. Let's balance. not do that. I go for the artichoke. Well, Jamie, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a lot of fun. And as always, um, as I said, it's just a delight to speak with you. 
I cannot wait for folks to hear a little bit more from you at Impact Columbus. Um, the setting for the day, by the way, it's going to be sort of an interview style with the keynote. And then we're going to have a panel and you're going to be on that panel. And, and we're going to be talking more about this community-wide focus here in Columbus. And I know people are going to love to hear your perspective on things. And I know your personality and humor and and obviously there's a very serious side, a very um, intentional side about you. I, I look forward to everybody experiencing all of that on October 17th. So thank you everyone. Again, Impact Columbus is on October 17th. You can still get your tickets, get a table at impactcolumbus.com, learn all about the event and you can register there. It's a wonderful time to bring your team, uh, bring your friends, your family, your coworkers, and we look forward to seeing you on that day. I'm really excited that you were here with me today, Jamie, and thank you all for listening to the Slapcast. Crave on, my friends. <laughs>